That's right, that's right, that's right. We are so thankful you were here today. We've got some that are still traveling, some that are still recovering. Um, talked with Dino this week and he's going to hopefully be able to start back to work on Monday. Uh, which means, and he said he'll try to be back next Sunday, so we're going to just keep praying strength and healing into his lungs because of the pneumonia just pretty much wiped him out. So we've got so much to be thankful for. Also, we've got Lutz. His birthday is today. Where's Lutz? Lutz, stand up, everybody. God sent him all the way over from Germany to here to enjoy an American birthday. So make sure that uh, you celebrate with him today. So today's message is going to be talking about keys, keys, missing keys to a blessed life. Missing keys to a blessed life. And first off, I got to tell you that a blessed life, we all have so much to be thankful for. Living in America, we are a blessed nation. That statement is starting to trouble me because we all hear politicians say, God bless America, at the very end, you know, of their speeches and such. And it's dawning on me that we pray that God will bless America, but we really don't want God as a part of America. Just think about that. But we are, even though we live here in America, or whether we live in Germany or England or Europe or Asia, we are still the citizens of the Most High God. We're a part of the kingdom of God. There are kingdom principles that are not affected by America's policies or European policies or economic policies or public opinion or what Hollywood thinks of us. Because God has a plan and a purpose. I don't know if you've ever been in a season where you're reading God's word. You're seeing God's promises. And you're not experiencing them though in your life. Life is a struggle. Life is a fight. It seems like every moment that we try to, to, to spend time in the Word, it's, it's just a struggle to stay focused on it. Or whether we're in our prayer time and we start praying and then our mind starts to wander. I don't know if you've ever had struggles in your relationship or struggles in your work or even in your home life. Whatever the case may be, there's times where we go through these struggling times. And then we'll read a scripture that talks about God's blessings and God's promises. You see, Ephesians 1.3 tells us this. Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Christ God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing that heaven has to offer. Amen. Amen. That's right. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing that heaven has to offer. So as believers... And when I say believers, I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. And he rose from the grave. And through him, I am now able to have access to, to heavenly blessings and relationships. And I'll spend eternity in heaven because of what Jesus did. But it says that he has already blessed us now. Right. So why do we not see the body of Christ walking in all the blessings? I think that there are some keys that are dependent upon us to walk in those blessings. This isn't a message on works. This is a message on grace and mercy and forgiveness and understanding our relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus purchased all of mankind from the curse of death through his resurrection. And according to God's word, we are already blessed. It even says that we have inherited the blessings of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
Now, if you've studied the Word of God, you understand the blessings of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But today I want to read a passage to you on Jacob. And if you have your Bibles, but I'll put the scriptures up on the screen. I'm going to be reading from Genesis 26, verses 1 through 5. Genesis 26, verses 1 through 5. And this is what the Word of God says. It says, There was a famine in the land in addition to the earlier one during Abraham's time. So Isaac went to King Amalek of the Philistines in Gerar. And the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Don't go to Egypt. Stay where I tell you to stay. Live here in this land for a while, and I will be with you, and I will bless you, and I will give you these lands to you and your descendants. I will keep the oath that I swore to your father Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and give you all the lands to your descendants. Through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Verse 5, I will bless you because Abraham obeyed me and completed the duties, commandments, laws, and instructions I gave him. I'm going to skip down a couple verses in Genesis 26, still just going from verse 5 down to verse 12. And it says, Isaac planted crops in that land. In the same year, he harvested a hundred times as much as he planted because the Lord had blessed him. Verse 13, he continued to be successful, becoming very rich. Now this passage is such an interesting passage because it starts off saying that there was a famine in the land. And I want you to know that a famine is just a time of difficulty, struggling. It's, it's a hardship. All of us will go through a famine time in our lives. I'm going to tell you, it's not if you will go through, it's when you will go through that time of famine. That famine could be uh, you got laid off at work or uh, a relationship that you thought would be there forever just walked away. A situation, you felt like you put your hope and trust in a company and they let you down. Whatever the case may be, famines will come into our lives. But how we respond to that is the determining factor of if we will grow in Christ and as a creation. It says we are now a new creation in Christ. And how we respond to those hurts and disappointments, where we put our hope and trust is really the key to our growth. You see, growth is coming through resistance. Austin talked me into joining the gym, and I worked out twice this week. And one of the days when he wasn't there, this, there was just me and this 70-year-old man. And uh, Austin told me, he said, Dad, now start off, you know, with the light weights because you don't want to overdo it. Well, this elderly gentleman and I, it's just him and I, and there's mirrors everywhere, and he's pulling down, you know, like these huge weights. So I bumped up my waist just a little bit, you know, because I just, you know, and I know we, the whole message on pride and all this and don't be a man pleaser, God, be God pleaser. But, you know, when an old man is just pulling down these huge things and you're like doing this, I felt like, well, needless to say, I'm a work in progress. But... I am also a living message that growth and muscles come through the resistance because it was the pulling, the pulling down. I had to pull down to, to build those muscles. I definitely felt them the next day. 
but it was the pulling, the constant pulling. You see, just going to the gym is not going to make me a bodybuilder. I actually have to get involved and I have to pull down some things. It's important that we understand growth will come not from things that we avoid, but it's through things that we overcome. <coughs> Did you get that? Yeah. Growth in our life is not the things that we avoid, it's what we have come through and overcome. See, a lot of times Christianity is like, we don't want to get involved in that. The reason why... The, the reason why America is the way it is today is because the church has backed away from so many things that we should be involved in and we're letting the government do it. The government should not be your source and strength. God should be our source and strength. But what happens is when we back out, we tell them basically, go to Egypt, and if you read through some of the Old Testament, go to Egypt and they'll be your source and they'll be your strength. The Word of God tells me that man will fail you, but God will never fail you. So when we put our hope and our trust in things other than God, we are set up for disappointment. So we've kind of learned how to avoid certain things and then feel like we're growing spiritually. And it's not through what we're avoiding, but it's what we're going through that is going to make us stronger. Our highest goal as a born-again believer and as a body of believers is to reflect more of Christ in every situation, the way we respond, the way we react, not when everybody's looking, but even when we're alone. When we're with others, are we truly reflecting Jesus Christ or are we reflecting ourselves? Times of revelation will come through those greatest trials, those seasons of famine. Difficult times will truly reveal who God is. Multiple examples throughout the Bible, the disciples in the midst of the storm. Paul and Silas were sitting in a prison. Mary and Martha were at the tomb of their brother when they saw him rise up. There was a woman with the issue of blood who had had that for many, many years before she encountered Jesus Christ. But it was through those difficult seasons they truly saw God move in their lives. We have so much to be blessed. We have so much there's a passage that I read to you in Genesis 26 where God told Isaac, live here in this land for a while and I will be with you and I will bless you. A while means to stay temporarily, meaning not get adjusted. This summer while our house was being worked on, we had to live in a hotel and it took some adjustment especially with three kids and a dog in a hotel. And we knew that that wasn't our home. It was just a temporary situation. We didn't even put anything on the wall like hotel, sweet hotel, or anything like that. It was just a temporary season. Sometimes when we're going through lives, we've got to recognize that this is a temporary season. This is not our destiny. It's important that we also see that while Isaac was in this temporary season, it said he sowed his seed in time of famine. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're reading the word of God and you look at this, there was a famine going on. So I'm sure all the news from all the neighbors was how bad things were, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just discouraging. I'm assuming it was a little depressing. And he's in a new land, and God says, stay here. Don't go where you want to go. Stay here. I will be with you. I will bless you. But because we're reading this in a past tense, Isaac made a decision, I'm going to sow seed where I am. 
You've probably heard this as messages on offerings and multiple churches have used this, but we're going to look at this in a broader sense. Isaac also dwelled in Gerar, and if you look up the word Gerar, it just means a lodging place, to be a stranger. So this is telling us that God can bless you anywhere at any time, regardless of your situation. Many of us feel like we have to have everything in alignment for God to bless us. God can bless you right where you are right now. In a moment, your situation can change. While you're sitting here in church, a text or an email can come in and that whole situation has changed in your life. It didn't take any of your work or cooperation or manipulation or persuasive prayers for God to move on your behalf. Because God loves us and he cares for us. He wants his very best. But it also tells us that Isaac reaped that same year a hundredfold. A hundredfold. That's not a bad investment. Okay? How many of y'all would like a hundredfold? I was actually walking by, uh, I was in Walmart last night, and I was walking by one of the banks. And I don't, you know, the banks are there, and you can get your nails done, you can get your car worked on. But the bank said, we're now paying 0.25% on a six-month CD. 0.25%. Now, there was no line for people standing to get that rate of return. Because, see, that's based on this world's economy. My livelihood, my life is based on God's economy. And that's the way we always have to have our perspective, that our livelihood is based upon God's economy, not this world's economy. There's so many times we miss the harvest that God has because we quit sowing in a time of famine. Now I told you many times this scripture is used on offerings. You know, you're going through a difficult time, but give more in the offering. But I want to expand this because your spiritual life is so important to me. When we're going through difficult times, sometimes we don't sow our prayer time the way we used to. We don't sow devotions into our life. We don't send out encouraging emails to others. Well, Pastor, I've got to focus on myself because, man, I'm going through such a storm right now. I, I just, I don't have it in me to give out. That is when you give it out. Do you understand? See, it's easy to give when everything is going well. But can you give and obey God when things are going difficulty? All right? For example, and it's just to show that this is all relational. If I stood up today and I said, I want to give a word from the Lord. And I feel that today all of us, every one of us, should give in the offering one cent. I believe we're going to step out on faith and everybody's going to give a penny today. And I believe with this 78 cents that we're going to collect in the offering today that we're going to do miraculous things. Now, none of y'all just freaked out at me saying, I want to give a penny. If I had walked up here and said, you know what, God spoke to me, I believe that all of us should give a dollar today in the offering. I think that's still pretty doable, especially in America today. If you don't have a dollar, you could probably borrow a dollar from someone else, right? What if I said $10? $100? What if I had stood up today and said, you know what, I want everyone to give $1,000 in the offering today? All of a sudden, some of you are saying, you know, you didn't hear from God. Because what's easy for us to give, there was no conflict. There was no, when I was asking for a penny, hey, no problem, Pastor Mark. 
when I ask for a thousand dollars, all of a sudden we got to pray and intercede and fast because even though I have it, I don't know if I want to give it. We have been given so much, but when God is asking us, when God has you standing in line at, at a grocery store and He says, buy that person's groceries, put gas in for someone else, pay the person behind you their, their drive through food bill. When he tells us to do something that's beyond ourselves, all of a sudden we start looking at, well, if I, if I, if I do that, God, I, I won't have for me. Ouch. See, seasons of famine usually create more of a self-focused, how am I going to survive this? And when God says, sow, sow a seed. Start interceding for others. Oh, Pastor Mar, I can't intercede for others. I'm, I'm spending all my prayer time on myself. I mean, honestly, don't we do that sometimes? I mean, and I'm not looking for a show of hands, but has there ever been a time that your prayer time was pretty much all self-consumed? God bless my family. God bless my this. Touch my this. Do this. Do this. Make me younger. Make me better looking, God. Amen. Whew, that was a good time with God. You know, we're just, we're great friends. And I think... God is a little greed when our whole focus is on ourselves instead of sowing. Sowing in that difficult time. I've read where the children of God began to murmur. So I looked up where that meant murmur. And it means to complain in a low tone. Murmuring. <laughs> have you ever murmured? Like, oh, I just can't believe it. Just, you know? I mean, I, you may have done it in a parking lot. You may have done it when somebody cut in front of you. There may have been something that you read and you're just like, boy. That's murmuring, if you believe it. That's a complaining. It's an attitude. It reflects our heart. So many times we're at a point of breakthrough in our lives. So many times we've gone through that season. We've sown the seed. We've prayed. We've given. We've poured out. We did everything our flesh didn't want us to do. Okay? Everything our flesh didn't want us to do. We go through and all of a sudden we're about at a point of breakthrough and all of a sudden we start murmuring. Well, God, I've been praying for this for seven days. Seven days I've been praying for this, God, and I just... I'm a little disappointed. I just want you to know. I read what you did in seven days in the whole world thing. I'm just asking for a change with my employer. Just seven days. Or that teacher to fall off the face of the earth, God. That's all I was asking was just one little thing. Murmuring. Murmuring starts backing us up spiritually. Sometimes we wonder why God is taking so long to bring that blessing into our lives. To fulfilling that word that's been spoken over us. A lot of times it may be that because we're not in a position yet to receive that blessing. You know, the Super Bowl's next week, just to let you know. <laughs> and all of it is about teamwork, the quarterback, making sure that the wide receiver or multiple other people are in a place to receive that throw. I was thinking about this analogy because we always watch the football game from up on the bleachers or that great camera that floats all over. But have you ever thought about that if you were the quarterback and you got all these people rushing at you, big burly guys, okay, that really want to hurt you, you can't see as well as we can see in the stands. 
right? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, we could see, look, he was totally open. Why didn't you throw it there? Maybe because of all this going on in front of him, he didn't see that this person was just standing there waving like, woohoo, I'm right here. And sometimes in our lives, we're so focused on this that we're not seeing God has a position for us or that we're in a position to receive that blessing. I want to go over just five real quick little steps and we'll be finishing up here in just a few minutes. But step number one is go where God tells you to go. Go where God tells you to go. Obey God's direction. You've got to be where God wants you to be. See, when we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, it's more about him moving through us than us moving him. So go where he tells you to go. 1 Kings 17, verses 3 and 4. I love this passage. It says, Then the Lord spoke to the word, this word, his word to Elijah. Leave here, turn east, and hide beside the Cherith, the Cherith River, which is east of the Jordan River. You can drink from the stream, and I've commanded ravens to feed you there. I don't know if you'd be real excited. The directions were great. Those were great GPS directions. Go to this tree, make a right, go by the river, sit there, drink. But that second part, you're going to have ravens bring me food? Nasty birds? God, are you sure this is the plan? A lot of times God's going to guide, direct, and lead you in areas that you're not comfortable with. But that's where you're to be. See, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He has a full plan for your life. You're seeing the next five feet. He sees the next 50 miles of your life till he takes you home. It is important for us to trust him and to be where he wants us to be. Number two, you must believe that the time is now. We've been discussing a season of blessing, but that key word is expectancy. I've asked you just on screen, what are you expecting to do this year? And what are you expecting God to do this year? Two great questions. And I don't know if you've even thought about them as you're driving one day. God, what do I expect from you this year? What is our expectation to basically just copy last year, go through the same seasons? Or to grow, to see growth, to impact others? To say, you know what, God, this whole row right here are people that I've invited to church that didn't even have a relationship with Jesus Christ prior to this. And now they're in a church. They may not be sitting here, but they're sitting in other churches. And they're growing spiritually. They're being discipled. They're being taught the word of God because you guided me into their world this year. Wouldn't that be a wonderful goal for us to have? See, Ecclesiastics 3.1 tells us, that everything has its own time, and there's a specific time for every activity under heaven. We've got to believe that it is our activity, it's our harvest time. We have actively sown into other people's lives. We have prayed for healing. We have prayed for deliverance. We have prayed for restoration. We have sown those seeds. We've stood on God's word. But we also know that is that any farmer knows, you sow a seed, then there's time, and then there's harvest. Any farmer would be just an idiot if he planted the seed on Tuesday and went out on Wednesday with a knife thinking I'm going to harvest. <laughs> We've sown as a ministry. We've sown prayers. 
and truly believe that this is our time to harvest. But we have to come into God's presence with an expectancy. Point number three is expect God to use whatever means he chooses to get the blessing to you. If you read through the Gospels, you'll see that Jesus used a variety of methods of healing and touching people's lives. Some of them were very orthodox and some of them were very unorthodox. Man, I would like for Jesus just to speak a word and I'd receive my sight. I really wasn't real thrilled about him spitting in the mud part. You know what I mean? It was like, I know he's our savior, but still, the spit and the mud, I kind of would rather choose just a word spoken. I'll tell you what, both blind people were thankful for the receiving their healing. We always feel like God should move in certain ways, that our answer should come in a certain form. I think what God's trying to do is stretch us to believe that God can work any way, anyhow, he chooses. And it's important for us to realize that. Point number four is you must do what God says to do. Whatever God says to do. You know, one of the very first miracles was at the wedding and, and Jesus' mom said to him, whatever he says to do, do it. One time for you to receive a healing from leprosy, it was to dip seven times in a nasty river. It was told to a widow to borrow as many vessels to fill the oil that the prophet was going to uh, proclaim that they would fill to be their, their source of income. Last week I talked about making a valley full of ditches. They went to fight. All they had was swords and spears, but God said, fill this valley full of ditches. And as you fill this valley full of ditches, I'm going to bring the water, the resources that you need. And it's not going to come through the wind or the rain, but I will still fill this valley full of water. Jesus told some just to take away the stone. Others to fill pots with water. He would turn into wine. God directed the children of Israel to walk around Jericho seven times quietly. See, sometimes what God tells us to do doesn't make sense. And you can Facebook out to everyone, hey, has anybody ever walked around the city seven times? And you'll get a lot of comments, but it wasn't anything that God had expected for you to receive. He spoke a word for you to do something. He spoke a vision into your life. He has placed gifts and callings into your lives. To be obedient, we must follow after God and not after the, the ways of man or the approval of man. And my last point is, we need to praise God as though you're experiencing the blessing now. Praise God as though you're experiencing the blessing now. See, praise tells God that we believe his word. Praise tells God that we believe his word. Amen. You know what's also telling? It's telling Satan that I am not going to be confined or defined by this season. Did you get that? It's also telling Satan that you're not going to be confined or defined by this season. I've seen so many people get defined by a difficult season. It wore them down. It affected them spiritually, affected their family, affected everything about even their personality because they were defined by that season. I've seen sickness confine individuals to a bed. 
You know, when I visit people in the hospital, I said, hey, let's give the devil a black eye. And every person that walks in that door, why don't you tell them about Jesus Christ? Let's see how quickly Satan will get you out of this hospital because you're more of a threat here than you are anywhere else. You see, we may be in prison, but our praise reaches heaven. Our praise is greater and bigger than our situation. Our praise is more important than what we're seeing here. You may be covered up in debt. You may be covered up in sickness. Your family may be falling apart. But your praise can break through. Your praise is greater than those situations. Your praise is greater than that debt. Your praise is greater than that sickness. About a year ago, I was going through something, and I just that morning I just got up and I just said, God, I thank you. And I felt horrible. God, I thank you that I, I feel strong in you, Lord. I thank you that by the stripes of Jesus, I'm made whole. I started just declaring everything because you know what my body wanted to do? My body just wanted to moan. Have you ever just wanted to moan because you felt so horrible? Like, oh. And all of a sudden, and it really did. It took every effort in my fiber to start praising God and speaking healing scriptures. I thank you, Father, that my mind is alert. At that time, it wasn't alert. It was cloudy. It was full of congestion. I felt like somebody was sitting on top of my head. And I'm declaring, my mind is alert. I thank you, Father God, that I have strength. These are what you have to start declaring, no matter how your body is feeling. Because your praise breaks through all the situation and goes to heaven. And all of a sudden, God says, hey, there's somebody who's believing my word. Somebody who's standing on the promises for restoration in their family, for that debt to go away, for that sickness to leave them, for joy to come back into their life. See, for you to start praising about joy when you're going through a time of depression really takes effort, but it starts changing that situation. It's important, it's so important that our words define what the Word of God says about us as opposed to what people or our situation or our bank book is saying about us. Blessings that are ours by design. It's time for us to unlock those doors of blessing. You know, in Malachi 3.10, it talks about giving, and it says, and see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you. Have you ever thought about that part? The windows of heaven being open and pouring out a blessing upon you. Is there anybody who wants to unlock their blessings today? Is there anybody? I got three hands. Anybody want to unlock their blessings today? See, God tells us that Isaac didn't go to Egypt, and he sowed in his very place. Where he was. The conditions weren't great. It wasn't home. It wasn't ideal. But God said, do this. Trust me. Let me show myself through you. Forget what everybody else is saying to you, Isaac. Forget about this famine. Forget about the economic downturn. Forget about everything else. Trust me, Isaac, and see if I'm not going to bless you. And we saw that a hundredfold return came. What a testimony Isaac must have had to all the surrounding neighbors that were going through that same famine that really didn't receive anything to see the blessing upon Isaac. God is wanting to set us up for blessing. Not only to bless us so that we can bless others and bring them to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. 
not to separate us from them, not so that we have to avoid them, but that we'll go more into their lives and take Christ into that situation. If we're obedient, we'll eat the good of the land. That's what the Word of God tells us. As I close, I lead us in a very simple prayer at the end of every service. We hear every once in a while people are listening to these messages through on the website. It's important that we realize their salvation is why God had them listening to this message. That's why God had them listening to this message. And the gospel is very simple. We were all born sinners. We were born dirty. And Jesus Christ came and lived a sinless life and died on the cross for our sins and was crucified on a cross but rose again to bring us life. And through him, we have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. We can boldly go into God's presence and cry out, Abba, Father. But we have to invite him into our lives. He is not going to force himself because it's truly a love relationship. Love relationship. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I'd like to lead everybody in this very simple prayer. But if you pray this for the very first time, it's important you tell somebody. Don't be ashamed of what Christ is in your life, what Christ can do in your life. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave to give me life. Please forgive me. Change my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I now confess Jesus Christ as my Savior and I am saved. Amen. Mark, why do you say the same prayer every week? So you memorize it. Because my dream is so that one day at, in a Target parking lot or in a cubicle in the lunchroom, you're going to be able to lead others to Christ and say, now what do I say? And even if you just remember some of it, that's going to be great. Because it's more about them turning their life over to Jesus Christ. I'd like to speak a blessing over you as we dismiss, so would you please stand? And according to God's word, may the Lord bless you and protect you, and may the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you, and may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. So go in his peace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for coming today. We love you. God bless you so much.